At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Happy Friday, folks. Welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always. You can catch me on the tweets at DannyBurke5. And remember to check out my show, Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. You can get a hold of that on the Marquee Sports Network if the Cubbies ain't playing yet. You can also get in tune with it on Fubo TV, along with Sling TV, the Xfinity app. YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, so wherever you get your podcasts available, and naturally, vsin.com, that's V-S-I-N.com, and the vsin app. All right, we got two late evening games to preview for Chicago baseball tonight. The Cubs still in the Mile High City against the Rockies, and the Rays coming to the south side to take on the White Sox. And then in the second part, we won't spend too much time on it because we already talked about it yesterday. I'll just kind of update you on how I'm approaching the playing games tonight and then furthermore on rush hour I'll be going over my best bets and some of those props that I'll be hitting so again it it's important that you check out both shows and of course always appreciate it so thank you very much but let's get into it with these baseball matchups so beginning with the Cubs and the Rockies yes I am an idiot I did end up taking a little piece of the Rockies yesterday now look it pains me to bet against the Cubs and it typically ends up screwing me which I guess I get what I deserve but it's basically what I talked about yesterday here on the CityCast and I was like yeah I get that the initial movement is going uh, against the Rockies but I was curious to see where this lineup was going to be or what this lineup was going to be, rather, and how these hitters 
have done against the respective pitchers. So Colorado had done okay against Steele, but overall their hitters have been doing a lot better in the short span of the season compared to the Cubs. I didn't like the lineup too much. I mean, you didn't have Contreras in there, and I always think that's a big miss if you don't have him in the lineup, but it didn't really matter because they still got the job done all throughout. And I guess in hindsight, too, I mean, a few batters had done very, very well against Kyle Freeland. Uh, Vlar, I mean, I think he's like 9 of 10 against the dude now. It's incredible at this point. But that's just kind of an example of, you know, one of those games I can look back on and go, all right, like I understand that, you know, maybe I wasn't tremendously on the wrong side because let's be honest. I mean, you know, the Rockies had ample opportunities in those, in that game. I mean, in the first inning, they, they, the catcher threw the ball down the damn third base line. Like it was just stupid, egregious errors like that that cost the Rockies. And the Cubs hit into, I think, five double plays. They took advantage, though, of their opportunities, right? I mean, Schwindel, uh, he had a nice home run in this game, got two runs batted in. Uh, who else did? I mean, Suzuki. I Look, Suzuki got tagged up at first. Hey, that's a mental error. He's a rookie, right? You know, I mean, not technically professionally, but in Major League Baseball, he is. But he still got a double, a nice RBI, keeps the streak for the RBIs and hits going. And there was that blunder in right field, but that was just a kind of a uh, miscommunication. Maybe the language barrier there hurt a little bit. So overall, Suzuki's still looking good, feeling great about him. NL Rookie of the Year very, very early on. But again, I just, I, I wasn't in love with the Cubs lineup, and I didn't trust Steele. But, you know, I'm eating crow right now because Steele, I thought, was going to regress a little bit. But again, the Rockies did not take advantage of runners in scoring position, and really, they just wouldn't get runners on until there was like two outs and then they just get screwed. They were hitting him decently well, but not well enough. And again, lack of taking advantage of those opportunities is what hurt the Rockies. And even when they made it a one-run game, then I was thinking because I was out to eat with a buddy and I'm like, I'm going to look down at the score and I guarantee the Cubs score the next half inning. And lo and behold, they put on two more runs. So just one of those games, but shout out to Steele. Look, I guess you could call it a happiness hedge, right? If the Cubs win, I was pretty content. Uh, if they lose, I was making some money. So it is what it is. But look, I, I, I love the Cubbies. They're my favorite team growing up. Again, my childhood bedroom was literally painted Wrigley Field. So it's not like I have anything against the Cubs. Seldom will I bet against them. But if I think it's a good opportunity, then I will look to capitalize on it. And I figured if there was going to be that late line movement too, that would be an agreement with my thought process that the lineup wasn't going to be that dominant for the Cubs. And and you did see that late line movement go toward the Rockies, but that's just how it goes sometimes that that doesn't always mean it's the right side. Of course not, especially in a long sport like baseball. But Steele, yeah, 4.1 innings pitched, allowed five hits, two earned runs, four Ks, and two walks. So, I mean, look, if Steele can be this consistent guy, that's fantastic. But I was banking more so on the fact that it could have been a recency bias that he did well against Milwaukee, and Milwaukee has just been struggling to hit and Steele really didn't do too well last season with the Cubs, so I figured, all right, maybe he's just kind of regressed in a hitter's ballpark that's Coors Field against a hotter lineup. Didn't happen, but shout out to Steele, had a really good game. Kyle Freeland got rocked in the first inning, and then they just really couldn't recover ever since then. 5.1 innings pitched, 9 hits, 5 earned runs, only 1 strikeout, so pathetic from the southpaw Freeland. And uh, we'll see if the Cubs continue to pummel on these lefties here. So that could be something to look out for for the Cubbies in the future. Now, the pitching matchup tonight is a fascinating one. 
For the Cubbies, we got our guy Marcus Stroman, which, yes, I'm still salty that uh, Ross pulled him out early in his home opener and Cubs debut. Was pitching very well. Five innings pitched, two hits, one earned run, three strikeouts, and three walks. Now, if you do want to look at some of those underlying metrics, even though it's a one-game sample size, so obviously he pitched really well, but his XFIP was a little bit high, 4.21 compared to his ERA of 1.80. I'm just throwing that out there if you're someone who really takes it into account. And don't get me wrong, XFIP is the main metric I use, but I'm not going to rely on that right now for a one-game sample size. I'm just throwing it out there. But yeah, Stroman looked great in his debut at Wrigley. Again, mad that uh, David Ross took him out, so... Hey, it is what it is, but I, I get it. You got to take these guys out early because of the unique spring training. But I'm still salty about it. So, yes, you know that. But if Stroman bounces back tonight, all will be well. Uh, not even bounce back, just if the Cubs get a win for him. But against Colorado last season, he actually was pretty good. He had one game at Coors Field and one game at home. Now, he was 2-0 and in those games. He pitched 14 innings, and throughout the span of those 14 innings, allowed just six hits and one earned run. Eight strikeouts as well. The Rockies had a batting average of 128 against Stroman last season in two games. So look, even though he was at Coors Field, still limited this Rockies team. Now, conversely, looking at Herman Marquez, uh, look, his stats are peculiar, right? I mean, the past couple years, or let me rephrase this. Not last season, but the years prior, he was kind of almost a fade type of guy. And a lot of pitchers for the Rockies have been as of late, and especially at Coors Field. But Marquez, he, he's been phenomenal. At least last year, he was at home. So his overall numbers in 2021 were 12 and 11, 4.40 ERA, not great. But then you look at his XFIP, 3.64, and a good whip above average of 1.27. At home, Marquez had an ERA of 3.67, a WOBA weighted on base average, 278, and an XFIP of 3.58. So really solid at home for what's an virtually an impossible park to have good numbers in. Marquez did just that last season at Coors Field. They were better than he did on the road. Now, overall, or excuse me, in the one game he pitched this season thus far against the Dodgers, he went seven innings pitched, allowed one run on three hits and five strikeouts. I mean, the man has kept it up, it seems, even though it's one game, but it's carried over thus far. And he did go against the Cubs actually one time at Wrigley Field, terrible outing, three innings pitched, seven hits, five earned runs. Cubs had a 438 batting average against Marquez. So uh, this one's tough. But if you're looking at the betting market, at Bet Rivers at least, Colorado Opened up as a minus 128 favorite. The Cubbies opened plus 110, and the total opened at 10. Now, if you're looking at the odds currently, and as I am, it's about 11.30 a.m. Central Time. The Rockies, minus 124. The Cubs, plus 104. Total is still at 10, but some shops have actually seen this go down to 9.5. And, and again, a lot of shops you have seen momentum go for the Cubbies once again. Now, if you're curious about the run line, catching a run and a half, the Cubs are minus a buck 86. And if you want to lay the run in the hook, the Rockies plus 148. I got to wait to see the lineup for this game. And if we're assuming that Contreras, uh, Contreras excuse me, is going to be back in the mix, probably get Hayward out there. I don't know, man. I mean, look, I'm a little scared because I just fully... I still don't fully trust this Cubs bullpen, and if Stroman can't go six innings, 
Are we going to have an issue like we did the last time that Stroman pitched? Now, yes, the Cubs bullpen took care of business yesterday. They had a couple of blips, but again, they did what they needed to do. My fear, though, is that even though they took care of business in the end, the Rockies still had their opportunities, and I'm, and I'm afraid that they'll actually take advantage of them tonight. So no, I'm probably not going to bet on the Rockies, all right? But I'm just saying this one will probably end up being a stay away for myself. I could really see an argument for either side. Because look, again, this Cubs team is going to be undervalued in a lot of games until the market starts catching on. We preached about this before the season started. But playing at Coors Field against this Rockies team, the Rockies are kind of an enigma right now. I mean, again, it's so early, but even going into the season, I'm like, this team could either be fringe playoff or just borderline bad again. It's it's very perplexing. So that's why it's probably best just to stay away. But let me know if you're betting anything. I probably won't be touching it, but we'll see if any in-game opportunity presents itself. Moving on. How about the south side of Chicago? The White Sox taking on the Tampa Bay Rays this evening. Talk about line movement. We've seen plenty of it for this game. And the White Sox opened up as a very high favorite, actually. Minus 147. Tampa Bay plus 128 on the buyback. Now you're seeing the Rays plus 116 at Bat Rivers. As for the White Sox, they moved down to minus 136. Total opened 8.5. You see it at 8. little juice on the over, minus 113. Under is minus 106, with that total being at 8. For the run line, if you want to take a run in the hook with the Rays, minus 190 is the juice. If you think the White Sox can win by two or more, you're getting plus 150. So the White Sox are coming off a 5-1 loss to Seattle yesterday. Yeah, I didn't like that spot for the White Sox. I actually took the Mariners in the first five for about minus a buck 30 or so. I think they were up 2-1, to one, but, you know, the Sox... Uh, I just, I, I forget, honestly, who they even threw out there, but it was, it was a new guy in the mix, I feel like, and the Sox still a little bit banged up, and I just like the pitching matchup a tad bit more for Seattle in that game. And what's interesting, too, is Adam Burke. So Adam Burke, he's VEASAN's betting analyst, and he always does his Burke's blurbs, his write-ups at VEASAN, and there's no relation to me, although we joke that he's my long-lost stepbrother on Rush Hour. But Adam Burke had a great write-up, and he's doing them every day for baseball. So again, check it out, vcin.com. But he wrote, a trend is emerging with the White Sox. He says, it's early, but they have the lowest WOBA, again, weighted on base average, in baseball at 249, specifically against right-handed pitchers. So that's interesting to note. Again, they've had a banged-up lineup, and it's been early. But we know that they more often than not, thrive against Southpaws these past couple couple of years, and we'll see if it persists into this season. But a little bit further into this, let's see the starting pitchers. We'll get back to Adam's thoughts in a second. Dylan Cease had a really good outing against Detroit in his first start this year. When five innings pitched, allowed just two hits, one earned run, eight strikeouts, the Sox won that game 5-2. Now in the year 2021, he did not face Tampa Bay, but here is how he did at home. 3.18 3.18 ERA, 2.89, or excuse me, 289 Woba, uh, 3.99 XFIP. So overall, pretty solid for Cease. Not bad. Drew Rasmussen taking the bump for the race. Versus Baltimore in his one start this season thus far. Pitched four innings, allowed three hits, two earned runs, three strikeouts. Had a high XFIP. Again, it's a small sample size, but it was 4.86 after that game. Now in 2021, he too did not face 
his opponent today being the White Sox, but on the road, he had a 2.09 ERA, a 2.22 WOBA, 3.47 XFIT for Rasmussen, so really solid. Did a lot better on the road than he did at home last season, oddly enough. Adam Burke, more on this pitching matchup, he wrote that as a full-time starter, from August 12th through the end of the regular season, over 53% of the balls in play were hit at at least 95 miles per hour. This in regards to Drew Rasmussen. Yet somehow, he carried a 198 Babbitt, meaning batting average of balls in play. 300 is the league average, 198 is spectacular. So again, hard hit percentage, over 95 miles per hour, and over 53% of the balls were hit incredibly hard. So that just means that his defense was amazing for him, and they got a little bit lucky. Now his K percentage meaning his strikeout percentage basically, took a massive tumble once he moved into a starting capacity, Adam went on to write, as he only struck out 17% of opposing batters. Now, Tampa Bay also coming into this series, losing three out of four versus the tanking Oakland A's. Well, I'm hoping they're tanking because we took their win total under 69 and a half. Thanks for nothing, Tampa Bay. Come on. But in this spot, look, I, I kind of get the initial line movement going toward Tampa Bay. You got to figure they're looking to bounce back after their terrible series against Oakland. And also, it's probably more so just a bet on the Rays based on the price. Like the White Sox, I do give them the advantage in this game. I just don't know if I would have been willing to lay over minus 145, which is where the opener was at. So the initial movement could have just been more so a bet on that, hey, Rasmussen has done really well on the road from last season. We'll see if it carries on to this year. The White Sox lineup still maybe not fully healthy. The jury's still out on Dylan Cease, and the White Sox have not hit well against righty. So I, I get all that. Again, this is going to be a hesitation outlook in the sense of I want to see the lineup for each team. And more importantly, I want to see who the White Sox are putting out there. Now, the good news, too, is that the White Sox, and Adam Burke talked about this as well, now their bullpen has been getting taxed a little bit early on, but yesterday they really weren't utilized since they were not in that game for the most part against Seattle. So they could be rested coming into this matchup if Dylan Cease were to falter at any given point. I kind of do like the White Sox here. The line movement does scare me a little bit, but again, it could have just been more of an alteration based on too high of an opening number on the White Sox. So at some point, if this keeps coming down against Chicago, maybe look to buy back low on them, getting a better bargain for the Southsiders in this spot. But right now, nothing I'm playing. Total at eight, I get it. The pitchers, the stats add up to this potentially being a lower scoring game and the fact that the Sox haven't been hitting tremendously well, and obviously the Rays' offense didn't look great. I get it. I get it. Eight seems a little bit too low for me, though. This White Sox offense can come alive in any given outing, so that's why I would probably have hesitation going with the under. Now, something just to be aware of, what is something you typically want to follow, and there's good trends that point this way, and Josh Applebaum, Beeson's betting reporter, always talks about this, but when you see a low total, like a short total, say it's like eight, seven and a half, seven, and the home team specifically, but I guess just the favorite getting the market love going their way. So for example, say like it was a short total like seven and a half and the favored team open minus 130 and you see them go up to like minus 150. That is a good sign to trust the favorite. When it's a shorter total, 
and the money's moving toward the favorite, that's the side you typically want to be on. Because it means in a tighter played game, the better team is probably going to prevail with the better pitching and getting the right hitting at the right time. Now, if you see the underdog get some love and it's a high total, case in point, this Cubs and Rockies game, well, because of the likelihood that this game could be chaotic with a lot of runs, you're typically thinking that the underdog is going to have to contribute to those runs and thus will have a good chance of winning and you're getting a better price with the underdog money. So that's something to be aware of when you're betting baseball throughout the long course of a season. But again, the market's moving away from the White Sox with a shorter total. So at this point, I, I you know, handicap it, speculate it how you want to. I could really hear either side for this one as well. Although I do give a slight advantage to the White Sox here. Not in love with the idea of laying minus 136 with them. If they get to like the minus 120s, then we can talk about betting the White Sox. But I'm not comfortable going fully in on the White Sox at this point. But again, let me know if you're doing anything at Danny Burke 5. Uh, should be a good game. And it's really going to be kind of just a test to how these pitchers really are. The games you're not fully betting doesn't mean there's no value in them. You could still watch it, study it, take some notes, right? Take some mental notes, see how the pitchers are doing in those situations, see how the hitters are doing with runners in scoring position, how the managing is going with these starting pitchers in their bullpen, and just how the bullpens obviously look in general. But look at how the White Sox are attacking the right-handed pitching. It's the worst in baseball right now, as we alluded to. See how they can maybe pick up the slack or if it continues to persist against this Rays team. So just because you're not betting it doesn't mean there's not some valuable information you can collect from watching the game or just looking in the stat sheet from it. But just something to be aware. Just like those market movements, short total, home faves, getting some love, or just faves in general, those are typically spots you want to be on. And conversely, high total, underdog, getting some love, typically want to be on the underdog. That's just kind of how the trends filter out throughout the course of the season. So uh, something to be aware of, like we keep saying. I'll stop beating the dead horse now. But coming up next here are the Chicago City Cast. Let's talk a little bit about those playing games. Again, we're invested in multiple different angles, and I'm crunching out the math, and it's a complete headache on how to hedge. And you can, but I understand also at the same time, not that many people probably took all the angles I did, even though we did dish them out as best bets. So we'll briefly spend some time on it. I know we did a lot more yesterday, but then also I'll just give you my thoughts on the games overall when we return here on the Chicago City Cast presented. Bye, Bet Rivers. No football? No problem. Because Bet Rivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college, pro basketball, and much more. So don't miss out on Bet Rivers' many daily specials or try your hand at live player props or same game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at Bet Rivers. So get started with life after football with the Bet Rivers app. Time to talk some play-in games, and man, we've got plenty of interest from the bets that we pulled the trigger on here on the Chicago CityCast and on Rush Hour. So this may be hard to follow along with, and I realize not everybody may have any of these or all of them, but I'm still going to try to briefly go through it a little bit because even if you don't get involved with it now, it could be a lesson like I was trying to preach at the beginning of the week that these markets for the playing games, which is a nuanced space, are not priced appropriately at many books. So what we did going into this playing game tournament, before everything started, I looked at the Hawks and Hornets matchup and I said, the Hawks are going to win that game. 
I looked at the Nets and Cleveland Cavaliers matchup, and I said the Nets are going to win that game. So then I'm assuming the Hawks are going to be playing the Cavs. And I think the Hawks have an advantage in that game. But even before that, you look at the odds to reach the playoffs because a book like Bet Rivers had that available. And before the playing tourney started, you could get the Hawks plus 240 to reach the postseason. Or you could bet the Cavs at like plus 160 to miss. So in my assumption that in the second round it was going to be the Hawks and the Cavs, for the Hawks to make it and the Cavs to miss it, that's the same bet, correct? So at that point, why wouldn't I take the 80 cents better or whatever it was and do the yes on the Hawks to make the playoffs at plus 240 as opposed to the no on Cleveland at plus 160 because it's the same bet. So that's what I did. I pulled the trigger on Atlanta plus 240 to reach the playoffs. And at this point, now I'm sitting on virtually an Atlanta Hawks money line ticket at plus 240. And also I assumed that the Hawks would be a favorite in this game. And that's what they are. Right now at Bet Rivers, they're a two-point favorite, minus 125 on the money line. Cleveland currently plus 106 at Bet Rivers, although they're as high as plus 115 at other shops. So you have a couple different options, of course, because you could sweat it out. You could wait to live bet if things aren't going too great, or you could just hedge with Cleveland on the money line. You could try to middle with the spread, which the chances it's going to happen is slim to none. Maybe not slim to none, but very slim with a short spread like two. If you had three, I'd be more convinced, which the opener is, that's where it was in a lot of books. But the money line plus 106, if you did take the Hawks plus 240, such as myself. But hold on, because we had a couple different, or rather, several other bets. We also did the exactas. Now, this was available at a different book. So you could bet the four teams you thought would make the postseason and get out of the playing game turning. So the four teams I selected... And I did this because, one, I genuinely thought this could be the result, and two, the odds were very mispriced. So I did the Nets, Hawks, Timberwolves, and Clippers. That was plus 470. But that wasn't even my first one. So we got the Nets, we got the T-Wolves, now we just would need the Hawks and Clippers. But the one I actually really liked was a payout of 25-1. to Incredibly huge odds, which it shouldn't have been, but I will gladly take that. And in that one... I had the same thing, Nets, Hawks, and T-Wolves. The only difference is instead of the Clippers, folks, I did the Pelicans. And originally, the Pelicans were naturally an underdog, right? They were like a four, four and a half point underdog. And right before I recorded this, actually, I was blown away because the odds shifted and the Pelicans are a one point favorite. I'm like, what the hell is happening? And then I go on Twitter, and the latest news is, of course, now you all should know, but Paul George has entered health and safety protocols and will miss tonight's playing game. Look, I'm sorry, selfishly, obviously that's going to benefit us with the 25-1 to 1 payout on the Nets, Hawks, T-Wolves, and Pelicans. And for the Clippers to miss the playoffs at plus 380. So, wow. Uh... We're looking okay. And I mean, you know, anything can happen still, but wow, that's huge. So let me just kind of throw everything out there once again. All right. So we got the Hawks plus 240 to reach the playoffs. And then we have an exacta of the Nets, Hawks, T-Wolves, and Pelicans at 25 to 1. And then also the Nets, Hawks, T-Wolves, and Clippers at plus 470. So we really need the Hawks to win. So, of course, I could look to hedge with the Cavs. But I give the advantage to the Hawks in that game. More on that in a second. 
The other one we did in the Western Conference, so what? The matchups, you had the Pelicans and the Spurs, I assume the Pelicans were going to win. Then the T-Wolves and the Clippers, I assume the Timberwolves were going to win. So then my assumption was that it was going to be a Clippers and Pelicans matchup. The Pelicans had done very well against the Clippers this season. And again, looking at their odds to make or miss the playoffs, the Pelicans to make it was plus 340 and the Clippers to miss was plus 380 since that was going to be the same bet with the assumption they, uh, excuse me, with the assumption they would play. Why wouldn't I take the 40 cents better on the Clippers plus 380 to miss? Well, that's what I did. So now virtually I'm sitting on a Pelicans plus 380 money line ticket, okay? And I was like, well, hopefully they open up as a small favorite and I know I'll have to lay some, but then maybe I can hedge didn't happen because they were like minus 175 then this news comes about and now it's virtually a pickup so the opportunities are there once again I feel like now I'm just gonna sweat this out I don't know that's just me personally I did all the calculations and everything that could happen at this point because look if you did what I did if the Hawks win and the Pelicans win and I do nothing I'm up plus 30.2 units yeah and then if the Hawks win and the Clippers win well, then I'd be up plus 5.1 units. If the Cavs win and the Pelicans win, I'd be up plus 0.8 units. The killer would be the Cavs and the Clippers winning. I'd be down four units. If we're in this example, throwing a unit on each of these bets. Now you could have hedged what I was talking about, but obviously it's different. And well, you'll get better odds now, but you could have parlayed or you could parlay the Cavs and the Clippers. And you'd need to risk, well, now my calculations are different because the odds have shifted. I'm sorry, this news, I'm still like energetic about it because it just happened while I was recording. Um, but basically, there are some avenues to get out of it, especially now that the Clippers could be an underdog. Wow. I think I'm just going to sweat it out though now, folks. And if anything seems to look kind of bad or just fishy, you know, you could live bet. You could parlay. The Cavs and the Clippers for a plus money hedge to get out of your form unit loss if the Cavs and the Clippers were to win. But of course, well, then say, what if the Cavs and the Pelicans won, right? Then you'd kind of be screwed because you'd still be down minus 0.2 units if you did that hedge. Well, originally you would have with the odds I was looking at. But so you could do a parlay of the Cavs and the Clippers and then a Cavs and a Pelicans parlay to kind of cover yourself and, and at least mitigate the losses a little bit. But at this point, well, you well then again, also a lot of it relies on what the Hawks do against the Cavs since we have the Hawks in both of our exactas, right? And again, I do give the advantage to the Hawks in that game, and I'm hoping that they come through. So you could wait. You could in-game Cleveland if it's not looking great for the Hawks, or you could wait to see the result of that game. And then, of course, if the Cavs won then you would still, we would still have our bet if the Cavs win, right? We would lose Hawks to reach the playoffs in the exactus. So in this example, that's three units. But then we have the Clippers plus 380 to miss the playoffs, right? So if the Pelicans won, then we'd still be up 0.8 units. But say we wait and, you know, we do see the Cavs win, then you're still kind of not so sure, but it's different now, but you're not so sure about the Pelicans, and then you could obviously hedge them now with the Clippers at basically a pick price. So Paul George being out changes everything. You have a lot of different avenues to how to get out of this. The smart move, okay, this is me telling you the smart move would be to hedge the Hawks and bet the Cavaliers here probably on the money line, okay? 
if you followed along and depending on how much you put on it. And that, of course, would be the smart move. And then you'd wait to see what to do with the Pelicans and Clippers now that it's a pick em. But I'm not going to do that, I don't think. I'm just going to wait it out and see and hope the Hawks pull it out. Because if the Hawks win then, then I'll be cashing a plus 240 to reach the playoffs tickets. Take it, excuse me. And then I'll also cash either one of the exactas, considering we just needed the Hawks, and then I have one with the Pelicans and one with the Clippers. And then, of course, at that point, you're staring at either a plus 470 ticket if the Clippers win or 25 to 1 with the Pelicans. And then you can hedge in tremendous ways at that point. So there are a lot of opportunities. Going to wait to see what happens with this Hawks and Cavs game. And Paul George being out is a huge, huge alteration to the spread and the overall outlook of this game. Man, my mind's going all over the place now. I spent a lot of time doing the calculations before the show and was going to go over them. But now that the odds dramatically shifted for the Clippers and Pelicans, everything kind of changes. But the point, again, remains the same. If you're on the Hawks like I was, you could hedge with Cleveland or you could wait and still make some money if uh, the the Pelicans come through because of the plus 380 on the Clippers to miss the playoffs. So you have a lot of different paths that you can take. But because of that news now, and because I do give the advantage to Atlanta, I'm going to wait. Hopefully the Hawks come through. If it's looking bad, I'll hopefully try to get some way to to probably in-game the Cavs to hedge a little bit. And then from that point on, maybe an in-game with the Pelicans and Clippers, see what the dynamic of this team is without Paul George. But that is huge. Wow. And same thing with the Cavs, too. I mean, if Jared Allen is going to play, that's going to be a difference maker for sure. And if he's playing, this might come down to a pick em. And then you could also obviously look to hedge then just for a little bit more security. But he's a coin flip right now, it seems. But again, if you want my overall thoughts for the game, well, I do like the Hawks. If I didn't have anything invested in this game, I would look to bet them. But I'd probably wait to see the news of Jared Allen. If he's not going, what, do the Hawks go up to a three-point favorite? You're still laying a little bit on the money line, but I still wouldn't hate that idea. And then if he is playing, it could go down to a pick you still get a cheaper price on the Hawks or you just stay away and wait in game. But I'm hoping it. I'm thinking Atlanta gets the job done against the Cavs. And for the Pelicans and Clippers, now that Paul George is out, I mean, you got to give the advantage to the Pelicans, right? I would have liked to take the points with them regardless. But Paul George being out is huge. They need a lethal score. Yeah, they got Reggie Jackson. They got Batum in the corner waiting and they got Morris who can light it up. We get that. Pelicans have some scores too, folks. So let me know how you're playing it. I'm sorry for going all over the place, but the news came abruptly, and that kind of changes the philosophy of so many things. But let's hope, let's pray, let's plead for a Hawks and a Pelicans victory tonight, and we will be feeling pretty, pretty good about ourselves. All righty, folks. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago CityCast. Let me know what your bets are. I always love sweating out everybody's plays at Danny Burke 5 on the tweets. And always appreciate if you like or subscribe to the podcast and check out Rush Hour, where tonight we're going to be talking with Jeff Parles, host of Eason's Bet Center and a numbers game producer, and also Ryan Rothstein. What can his Phillies do? Well, Phillies, yes, but I meant to say the Philadelphia 76ers because he's got a big opening series to look forward to. By the way, Ryan, host of the Philly City cast. And a lot of people are taking the plus money with the Raptors. 
I got a feeling that uh, Rothstein's going to be bullish on his Sixers, so find out why tonight on Rush Hour. Until Monday, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your weekend. Happy Easter. Enjoy all the festivities, and hopefully we cash some winners, and we'll talk again on Monday feeling pretty good. That's the plan, folks. Until then, take care.